Um, so, first of all, let's just uh, rejoice and celebrate the Lord for some modern-day miracles that are happening right before our eyes. And uh, how many of you know that right here, right here, um, there was a prophecy that went out for the Attorney General of Texas a couple years ago when our son Sam married his daughter Abby. Now we have a, another grandchild named Aurora Joy, little peanut. And uh, the Lord overwhelmed, and we recorded it. And it just goes to show you that the word of the Lord is timeless. It's on time, but it's timeless. And a lot of people who call themselves prophets would be good to learn that. It's timeless. And a lot of people who have a call in their life would do well to learn that you could get the call that that doesn't mean who you are already. You have to walk into it and be called into it. We're going to be dealing with that because we want to be a mature body of Christ. We want to be a body of Christ that's understanding the thresholds we cross over and into and that there's many of them. And that we just don't suddenly arrive at the fullness of our callings. But in that instance, it was prophesied right here, and it was a rather long one. And it was prophesied with all of our hands up and my hands upon his chest. And that came true yesterday in front of the whole world and especially in front of Texas. And he told me about three, four weeks ago when my wife and I had dinner with, with he and Angie in Texas, he told us that when I sent that to him, he's listened to it every day as he was wounded and shattered and written off in May by one of those things that happens in the middle of the night. How many of you know that the enemy will come to destroy you without giving you a warning? Hmm? That's why we keep our shields up. That's why I teach all the time that we need to already have a mindset about what we're going to do in the time of evil, in the time of testing. We already made up our minds. We're not trying to figure it out in that moment because that's called chaos and confusion. And sometimes God will send a true prophetic word that is timeless and waiting for its moment. And when we release it, it's his, it's not ours. And in that instance, it basically advised him that if he would rend his heart and turn himself 100% over to the Lord, that he would rescue him from the snare that was being set for him. And by the way, there was no snare back then. All was well, at least it seemed. But yesterday, as they went through these 21 different indictments against him from a political system. I prayed through each and every one of those. I prayed calling out those senators' names before the Lord. And they came one by one by one by one and he got acquitted against all odds. And, and I can tell you this, that that he and Ange are walking closer with the Lord than they've ever had before. It was, it was 
a welcomed breath of fresh air for us to be sitting at the, at the supper table and for him to be quoting scripture to me. I ate it up and thanked him. And he asked for more. And he found a prayer partner, another man, all the way back from his college days to pray with him there in Texas. You see, it's much bigger than just a person. This is a system. And the system is, is much bigger than just our political system. This is a system that's released from the pit of hell. And yes, it's a fault-finding system. How many of you, if you were turned inside out with about a $20 million investigation, think they might find something? Huh? It's a fault-finding system. The devil's the fault finder and he uses people and sometimes they come cloaked in religion and righteousness. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how you could have two sides, on the, two opposing sides, both calling and claiming in the name of the Lord. I've always found that interesting too, by the way. I don't want to get into it. As an athlete and a coach and playing sports and you know, you went, you went up against another school or team or athletes. They're praying on the Lord. You're praying to the Lord. We're praying to be healthy, but we're praying to win, right? And I'm not ashamed to tell you that when I competed in, 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 as a coach after I was saved, we always prayed to win. I always taught my, my players, it's no fun to lose. I don't, I don't know who taught you that. We don't like losing. You know, we'll take it, but we're not losers. We're winners, and we want to win, and, you know, you're not going to accept me. I'm not going to give you a little trophy because you came in third. You know, you can go, your mama will give you that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, we're going to win next time and let's learn and go. So, so in that instance, we want to give God all the glory and continue to pray as the pieces get picked up and bless their, our family, bless our family. And they're so grateful and want you to know how grateful they are for those of our Touch Heaven ministry and us who, who prayed in intercession for them and also as we sent it out for other people because they know that the prayers made the difference. There were so many little miracles in that hearing. How, how many times have you ever heard of a prosecutor resting too early as a mistake? That's what happened. He hadn't called a couple of the, 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 the most difficult witnesses and for some reason, out of his mouth, he came and he said, I rest. And, and the defense said, we accept it. And the judge said, okay. And then they tried to undo it. And he didn't realize what happened. How, how often does that happen? I've never heard that happen before from skilled lawyers. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment before the whole world. And then tried to, I made a mistake you can't hold us to our mistake. Really? Isn't that amazing? Anyways, we've had that. We've had some other miracles and things going on. We want to keep praying for the people of God. And we've got a lot of stuff going on in this house. And a lot of it is because we've crossed and are crossing over a threshold. And that's been the theme and the series that I've been on. We're now moving into part seven. It's going to go a while because I'm receiving so much about this. And... I would encourage you when you approach your Bible with, for a word to get in the mindset of that word in the scriptures because that's why 
we can embellish and, and praise the fact that it's living word. It's not historical world. It's not just theological word. It's living word. For example, when I delve into the word for the foundation of the ministry that God raised me on, which is the glory of the Lord, everything enlightened in the word about the glory of the Lord, everything from Genesis 1 to the last, everything I read, I was able to, able to draw about the glory of the Lord. And right now on crossing the thresholds and understanding as we're preparing the way, everything that I'm seeing and reading is amplifying that to me. And that's for you too. That's for you too. You know, another thing I want to diminish so it doesn't linger on this altar there's no faith person superior to another person. Do you hear me? Sometimes we get intimidated because somebody tells us how much time they spend in the Lord and you don't. How much time they spend in prayer but you don't. The way I look at it is maybe they need to. Now, I'm not going to disqualify anybody who does that, but I don't go along with the arrogance and pride of somebody being more superior than someone else in the Lord. So I want you to know that, and I don't want you to be intimidated in that. And if you've heard that, pray for that person. They need to come to the conclusion that their private time with God is their private time with God. Right? We could all boast. All that matters is him. And I've taught you before, and I'm going to teach you again. If somebody's sermon is all about you and not about them, they better listen to their own sermon. People start telling you instead of them. That's the lack of a father's heart. So we pray for those people. What did Paul say? You have many teachers, but few fathers. A father's heart costs something. It's in you, it's in me. We. We're a house of we. We're a house of the fivefold ministry. We believe in the fivefold ministry, but not everybody's appointed in the fivefold industry. And self appointment doesn't get it. It'd be interesting to know if a lot of people running around with titles realize what the ultimate end is. For the 95% of prophets and apostles in Scripture, do you know what it is? <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. It's a real price to pay both on earth right up to the ultimate end. Maybe that'll start to become real in the body of Christ. Maybe people will quit self-appointing themselves and looking for titles that would make one so superior to somebody else. And we would be satisfied with the fact that, that God so loves us that he'll use us for something. Huh? Father's heart. If I don't see a father's heart in somebody, I don't care what title they call themselves. Even teachers who are somewhat in the fivefold, if anybody's going to be 
permitted to be a little outside of that. It might be the teacher. But you see, you can't teach the father if you don't have a father's heart. So I, I even look at that. The evangelist cries out and dies for the souls of people with the father's heart. The pastor cries over the sheep, chases the one sheep, drops everything when there's a sheep in need. Everything. Doesn't matter what your schedule is, what your own agenda is. Doesn't matter what day it is. The pastor chases the sheep. The prophet knows the Father, fears the Father, loves the Father with all they are. Nothing held back. The prophet comes out at the moment he or she is supposed to and then goes back into the cave. Doesn't write ten books, have a social media following of like Madonna and look to be recognized. I've never known of a prophet that was put grand stage in the king's court. Or who had a megaphone in front of 100,000 people. Never known one of those. Apostles? Real apostles? Dead to themselves. I have to teach you this. I have to remind you of this because you're going to be challenged in it. We've come out of that. We're not going back into it. I won't. And we're going to hear more of it. And we need to protect it with all our heart because that's honor. That's, who do we honor? We honor the Father. And we don't allow anybody to dishonor the Father. We don't scourge them. We don't attack them. But we resist it. So I'm teaching, believe me, and, and allow me to take that step. I'm teaching with the Father's heart. I'm encouraging I just turned 71, so I'm allowed to do a few things different. <laughs> I think that's the point where people think that you're becoming wiser. <laughs> you know, you lose hair, you get gray hair, you got bones that hurt, you know, all that stuff. And it's because we're a peculiar house. We're not the same house as some other houses. And there are other houses that are as peculiar as we are. But we're a peculiar house because we're sold out to kingdom. It's all about kingdom. And so we're tolerant. We tolerate all kind of stuff. That's not the point because we're a diverse body of Christ. And, you know, any of you have family, you know, you've got all kind of different issues going on in families, right? <laughs> we don't judge that and we don't, we don't rebuke that. We don't, but we don't change who we are. We don't conform to that. We are who we are. We worship the way we worship. We preach the way we preach. And we have a mission. This house and this ministry has a mission to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. Our mission isn't a lot of other missions. There's people that God raises up to do things. And our mission goes farther than this house. And so those who are being raised up in this conviction, you may wonder you know, how come we don't have 10,000 people? Because the glory of God doesn't go to 10,000 people. It goes to Gideon's reduced army. It goes to a bunch of tattered people that aren't looking to make the business of the ministry their success. I'm going to tell you again, and this is truth, and, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm ignorant, 
maybe I'm just not as ambitious as maybe I should. I don't know. I don't even go on Facebook. If you see something on Facebook under my name, I didn't write it. And if you reach out to me on Facebook, good luck. I don't even know how to turn it on. And I don't want to. I don't use social media. I don't care if Twitter changed to X and it turns to zero. It doesn't matter to me. Now, I'm not saying it's a wonderful tool. It is, but it's not my tool. And why? Because I don't want to be clouded. I don't want to measure. The same reason why I refuse for when there's offerings in this church for it to come out on a list or for me to get the names. I don't want that in my mind. I want to be as pure as I can before God because I got enough issues in my own flesh to fight. I don't need to put more in there. Of course, I know, you know, maybe there's some churches that got no flesh issues. God bless them. We got flesh issues, right? And we got to beat them down and beat them up. And don't feed the flesh. Feed the spirit. And, and the good news about it is, you know, I'm doing so much digging. And this is probably a precept to that of what's going to come. And so I would encourage you to hang with it. If you're online, welcome. I didn't even welcome you. God bless you. Hang with it. Because we're going somewhere. We are indeed crossing a threshold. And we've done that before here in this house, and one of the thresholds we said we were crossing was before the earth was put on pause with COVID. came right from here. We're crossing a threshold. And the threshold is equipping us and preparing us as we prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. What greater call as a believer in Jesus Christ is there today than to be chosen to help prepare the way for the coming of the Lord? Is there anything more exciting on earth right now that could happen? We pray. Do you know how many, a couple thousand years, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it, but we're the ones that are literally pulling him down onto the earth and, and preparing ourselves and, and, and learning to be like Jesus to help the body of Christ to prepare. I had a, a man of God whom I loved who was in the inner circle And he was the inner circle of Chavez in, in, in communist Venezuela. He's the oil minister. And he told me once as we were quietly having a, uh, eating something at a Roscomboya or something somewhere in a restaurant, he said, he said, Frank, I was in, I was in the boardroom in Cuba with Fidel Castro was on the other side. And I was there with Chavez. We were the ministers. There were eight of us, and Chavez was going on and on and on, just slamming the Jews and slamming the Christians, just in that boardroom, just going off on a tirade. And this man was born again, had favor with Pharaoh. 
And he said, all of a sudden, after waiting for a long time, Fidel Castro walked in and the place got quiet. And he looked at Chavez and he said, don't you dare say those words in, in, in my, and I don't know what he called it, to, my, whatever it was, his boardroom. He said, because, he said, no matter what anybody's tried to do, they can't snuff out the Jews. And he said, haven't you learned? Are you that stupid? He told him. He said, don't bring that curse into my temple. Don't bring it here. And he said, and by the way, you ever kill a Christian? They multiply. Ten more come. Huh? That's who we are. That's the anointing we have. We can't be snuffed out. We can only be snuffed in. The testament of, 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 of a person. Do you know that your testament has nothing until you're dead? Huh? Oh, we want to be blessed for our testament today. Then, then you don't get the blessing when you're in heaven. He says, if you get it now, then you don't need it there. Had, some people do well to listen to that. Maybe they'd change their titles and what they're calling themselves and what they're trying to do and say, eh, I'd rather be there than here. That's eternal. But the testimony of the testator has no effect. This is scripture until they're dead. Then it has effect. So what we're doing is helping to prepare the way, but it's not going to have effect until he comes back and we're meaningless anymore in that effort. All that matters then is us and the Lord. It's a tremendous blessing of God to be in this place. So I want, to, I want us to continue to develop a timeless mindset. How many of you know that <laughs> when you come out of time and you're moving in what some refer to as the supernatural, environment of God, that yes, time doesn't have the impact and effect it did because God's not in time, time is in God, correct? So when you're in Him, then you're timeless because He's timeless. So when we get that mindset and live with that mindset, Age is irrelevant. Do you understand that? The only thrill I take about getting older is that it's one more year with my beloved wife, which has been 40 years. I now have 10 grandchildren, which thrills me, and my quiver is not full yet. I don't know what's happening, but I know there's a couple more coming. And... And in that sense, by the grace of God, I'm healthy. That's what thrills me. And, and all the rest of it is irrelevant to me. Age is irrelevant to me. I know by scriptures. I mean, Abraham, Genesis 12, 1, and that was my teaching today. It was Abraham. You're going to get a little bit of it. You're going to get a taste. Genesis 12, 1, if we could, please. 
Abraham. Now, many of you know the backstory, right? Abraham's family, they were a manufacturing company of idolaters. They made statues, and, and the main statue, the main little thing, figurine they made, and that was the moon, the moon worshiping. They were moon worshipers out of the land of Ur, which is most likely somewhere over there, Iraq, and that area, everybody tries to figure out where they came from. The Urites, they were the Urites. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, and notice it says, had said, but so, so Abram had to give this testimony. And by the way, his name's Abram, which means father. It does mean father, but later he became Abraham, which is father to many after he got the Abrahamic blessing. And so the Lord had said to Abram, as they write this back historically, he said, now get out of your country. And let's just put the phrase right in front of it. Get out from your family. Get out from your father's house to a land that I will show you. That's the word that the Spirit of God is crying right, right now to the body of Christ. Get out from the country that you've established yourself in because it's beginning to become an age like fish. Fish doesn't age well. Get out from your family. What's that mean? That's a tough word. He had to leave that culture because if he didn't leave that culture, he'd still be worshiping the moon god. And God would just become another god to him like it happens with the Hindis, right? Some people get so excited they bring a Hindi to a Lord, but if they don't repent all their other three million gods, he's just another god. Hey, why not? If he can help me, I'm taking that one too. How many of you know that when Trump became president, there were Hindis that made him a god? Trump God, they had little things, Trump God. And how many of you know how many Christians I've known, they've got excited, they go to India, they're gonna bring a million people to the Lord, they're Hindus, they just accept Jesus too because he's just another God. You have to deny all the other gods. You gotta come out. Abraham had to sever, he had to let go, and, and the Lord is crying out to the body of Christ, you gotta let go of some stuff because it's holding you back. And yes, there was a threshold that was crossed as we moved from Azusa Street. Let's go all the way back. You want to go back to, to when Jesus died and then finally when we found out that, you know, you had the Hebrew church and out of the Hebrew church came the Gentile church. And we had so many movements right up to the point of Azusa Street and after Azusa Street then we had what became what? A new Protestant revival, and from the Protestant revival, we became the release of the gifts, and then the charismatic, and the charismatic moved into the Pentecostal, and then Edward Wagner and some other Peter, they, they came out with, with, with some revelation that God was restoring the fivefold, yes. But he wasn't making everybody fivefold. And, and so things went imbalanced. And we moved into the Pentecostal movement, and that was wonderful. People finally realized the gifts of God, and some were operating in words of knowledge, and other ones releasing things. And it was, it was like learning 
to ride a bicycle. That was a tricycle. You understand, that was a tricycle moment. It was wonderful. It had its things. But unfortunately, like all things that get flesh on them, that movement became specialized. And it became, if you will, eccentric. You had to be in the movement to be the one accepted in the movement. If you had gifts of healing, you needed to go on big stages and sell them. That's what was happening. That's what was happening. And after that, you know, I sat in services where five people had exhortations of words of knowledge. And I know some people get critical because I don't allow that to happen too much here. You know why? Because only once did I hear something that really mattered. Everybody knows God loves you. Everybody knows when you're worshiping, God's pleased with that. And, and there was a time whenever there was a little silence, it was, ah, somebody, that was their moment to walk through the door and say something that God was saying to them, but not everybody else. And so we went through that moment where everybody was hearing from God and they wanted to say it out loud, but they didn't appreciate that God was also talking to other people about other stuff. And I witnessed this. And I watched it, and I said, this is wonderful, I think, but, but, but where's the edification? Where's the edification at? And, and where's the revelation? You see, I want revelation. I want people to be edified, and I want revelation that's based upon the firm foundation of the Word. How many of you just want to put a tape on and get the same Bible study every day? How, how, you know, it's good but we want to build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with revelation so that as you're getting something from God and you dive into the Word with that, everything begins to explode in your head and your mind. And everything you see, you begin to relate to it. And everything that's happening begins to embellish and take you on that path of the Holy Spirit. And that's called fresh. And to become fresh, you have to let go of some old, correct? you got to let go of some gold. So the Lord said, Abram, get out of there. And by the way, you got to get away from your family. I'm talking to you, Abram. I'm not talking to them. Now, for God to talk to him, he had to have a heart that maybe questioned and said, you know, this thing I'm making, it is nothing. I, I break it, I smash it. People, there's got to be more to it than this. And that's all it takes is a little glimmer. That's why we get so excited that God is doing a work around the earth with, with, with Ishmael's family, our, our, our Abraham's other side of the family, our brothers, our sisters, and coming to people in the four corners of the earth himself and dealing with people, dealing with them in the place that they're at, telling them, come out. And so he said to, to Abram, come out from your family and from your father's house. I can't tell you how many people I run into that they tell me the reason why they attend the church they go to is because they've done it for so many years and it's a social thing. And that's a wonderful thing for the church. But some people need to come out. They need to come out. I've had people tell me I'm too old. Really? Abram was 100 years old when God gave him his promise. His wife was 90. He was 75 when the Lord told him to come out. Isn't it sad that you hear people in the body of Christ who just stay where they are to die? 
Huh? Am I, am, I preaching, am I not preaching truth here? I'm preaching truth. You know how many times I've heard that excuse? I'm too old. Really? Then you're old. Well, you don't understand. I got this illness. Then you're going to die. I agree with you. Go. Huh? That's, that's ignorant speaking. And you know, you know why it comes out like that? From the failure of teachers and preachers being honest and pure. Because it costs something. It says, I'm not going to do that. You can invite me all you want. I'm not coming. Because I don't want to be part of that. Where's the fruit? Where's the purity? Now, that's not everybody, by the way. I wrote to Apostle Maldonado and thanked him for what he just did in Pakistan for, for our son and daughter, for my family, that he paid. He paid out of his own pocket to go and train pastors. You see, that's where the rubber hits the road. They don't need English-speaking people doing prayer festivals, which are something else, but you can't call them that there. They, they, he does it very well. He does it in their language. Isaac's going to follow his footsteps. They need pastors to receive correction and teaching and admonishing. You know why? Because just like Fidel Castro said, they go out and multiply. You can't stop them. He said they're like rabbits, Christians. You got one pretty soon, you got 10. You got 10, you got 100. You got 100, you got 1,000. You can't stop them. Go to the next verse. Boy, I'm not going to get too far. Listen to this. Here's Abram in the land of Ur. He's not even a Hebrew yet. He hasn't even been to Hebron. He doesn't even know Hebron exists. He doesn't even know who the God of the Hebrews is because he was the father for the Hebrews. He doesn't know Adonai. He doesn't know Eloheinu. He didn't speak Hebrew. He spoke Ur in Chaldean, whatever that was. I don't know that language, but that's what he spoke. And, and he tells him the ultimate blessing that's coming. Beloved, you know why so many people get sideways? Because God will tell them what's coming and they think they're that already. I know I made that mistake. At 57, 58, locked up in a hole in a house on the north side of... And I didn't even realize what was going on. And the Lord was showing me so much. And when he finally let me out of that place, I, I thought I was supposed to go do it right then. I scared so many people, they thought I was crazy. I thought it was a time. I, just, I didn't know. It's called maturity in the Lord. And I had a few people that loved me enough that they laughed and let me bumble and make mistakes in grace and fathered and mothered me and taught me things. And then I finally learned to be quiet and just serve the Lord with what he gave me and wait, wait. Abraham, 75 years old. Walk away from everybody, walk away from everything. Come on out, but here's what I'm going to do, Abram. Abram, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I'm going to make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Woo! 
boy, I don't know about you, but that'd get my goat. Huh? He comes out next. I will bless those who bless you. Listen, you and I are benefactors of the Abrahamic covenant through Jesus Christ. We're not Ishmael. Ishmael got blessed too, but not with that same blessing of the covenant. The covenant came through Isaac. And then Jacob, and by the way, Jacob was a deceiver. God had to do some work. Oh, that makes me feel good. And he still had to call, and the call was of the promise. And the promise came forth. He said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless those who bless you. Hey, why do you think we ask for offerings in the house so people get blessed? When we don't do it, we stop their blessings. We don't do it because we want it or we need it, and it's certainly not something we should be ashamed of. We take their blessings. And if they're too stupid to know they're getting blessings, and forgive me for that word, let them get blessed anyway. I've been in places where I didn't have a clue what was going on. I got blessed because I was in the right place with the right person prophesying over me, laying hands on me. Little simple Louis Fortunato from First Christian Assembly passed away. He had got me. He didn't understand me. He wasn't even a teacher of the Bible. He just loved the Lord. But he knew God was doing something. And he took me in his arms, as broken as I was, and he said, I see a flower opening up. And he said, you're going to be a flower unto the Lord. And I needed to hear that because I didn't feel like a flower unto the Lord. And he just hugged me, and he loved me, and he blessed me because I was in the place of blessings. I got blessed. And I will curse those who curse you. Beloved, how many of you have seen people who have cursed you? They're no longer around. When I came into this town, it wasn't with open arms. I told it, and I'll tell the story again, because people need to learn. I came because God called us out of the land of Ur, out of the family, out of a huge ministry. Life was easy and simple. It's nice living in South Florida. God said, go back and wait on me. Rebuild the walls, the fallen walls of Jerusalem. And we're still rebuilding them. I thought, man, Lord, you're, you're making a way. I can't wait to, to... I got called in by the gatekeepers. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Do you know there was gatekeepers of the city? Self-appointed? Hmm? Did you know that? Seven of them. I, I learned it. I went to Perkins. I thought we were going to break bread and talk about how we could all get together, and it was an indictment of me. All seven of them had something bad to say about me. And guess what? Not one of it was truth. Not one. And as I sat there and became demoralized and beaten down, finally the, the, the fury of the Lord come up in me. And I said, can I ask you a question? Who appointed you the gatekeepers? They were mad because I didn't show up and tell them I was here and because somebody from their church came here and I welcomed them and didn't call them and I didn't even know who they were. Hey, that's what I had to listen to. And that's called religion. And that's called pastors and teachers and so-called prophets and apostles thinking they have possessions. 
Let me tell you something. If you're an apostle, you own nothing. You don't have one person that you call under your control. It's all the Father. You see, Frank, you little angry. Yeah, I'm angry. I protect the honor of God with all that I have. And I'll die doing it. Finally, I took enough. I stood up, I said, well, and they were all men, by the way, no women. Women wouldn't do such a thing. I said, gentlemen, and I say that lightly, exactly my words. I said, I've heard you, but I reject and rebuke every bit of it. I said, God called me here. I will never account to you. And guess what? You don't need to account to me. And anyone who wants to come to my church, I'm not going to ask them why they came, where they came from, or what they're doing. I'm going to receive them and love them just like the Lord took me in. I said, so, and I was leaving. This is truth. I was walking out. They were at the table sharpening their forks. And the Spirit of God come upon me, and I said, are you really the gatekeepers? And their mouths came open. I said, because you're not doing a very good job. That's when we were murder city, drug city. I said, duly noted gatekeepers, and I left. Every one of them fell, died, or was sent out, gone. You know why? Because they self-appointed themselves to something God didn't give them the right to do. And I'm not being arrogant, this is you too, this is us. We are anointed of God. That be blessed to those who bless us and to curse to those who curse us. That's our anointing, that's your anointing. That's who you are in the Abrahamic covenant. We don't use it as a sword. We use it as a safety net. We use it understanding that, hey, I'm a blessing. Turn to somebody and tell them, hey, I'm a blessing. Say it like you mean it, I'm a blessing. And say, by the way, if you're with me, you're getting blessed too. Huh? <laughs> that day, those who cursed me got cursed. That's a true story. And the last one was the biggest ministry here, and that all blew up two years ago. I'm just telling you the truth. Just telling you the truth. Why? Because we need to know who we are. And I didn't fight back, I didn't retaliate, I didn't defend myself, I didn't promote myself. I said, Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord. You want me to go, Lord? No, you stay right where you are. We got stuff to do. Year after year, Lord, now? Nope, you stay right where you are. We got stuff to do. But we're crossing that threshold. And so I want us to understand what that means. When you cross a threshold, you don't go back to where you came from. You don't go back to do what you used to do. You don't conform to those who are doing what you used to do. You go forward for the new. All things are made new. And yes, you can have some acceleration, deaccelerate. You know how many times I've heard this is the season of acceleration? How about you? You know, okay, yeah. It's only accelerating when God accelerates. And I don't know what that word means. I honestly don't. 
Because the way I see it is we are constantly moving into what God has given us. Moving from a glory to a glory to a glory to a glory. And if someone's not moving, it's not God's fault. Capiche? Pastor, you're tough. No, I'm putting truth and setting stuff straight because I'm responsible for you. And I'm responsible for me. And you're responsible for other people. Accept that you're responsible for other people who don't have what you have and don't know what you know, but they're not going to have what you have or know what you know unless you impose it. So don't be bashful. Boy, I'll tell you, I don't know, maybe you would have rather had a bashful, quiet, timid, unimposing Jesus. Is that who he was? but I want to be more like Jesus, but I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> if Jesus didn't offend anybody, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. If he didn't go to the cross, he wouldn't have died for our sins. If he didn't die for our sins, we'd just be a whole bunch of goyim running around and Jews all confused in chaos, still looking for a religion that made some sense and that we could use for the moment. But unfortunately, that's like the bride of Christ right now. We're coming out. We're crossing the threshold. We're coming out. That's who we are. And that's what we do. It may be a hundred. It may be one. It could be a thousand. I don't know. But we don't go by numbers. We go by the fear of the Lord. And we stay true. Do you think that Abram came out of there all thrilled and excited with waving flags like, you know, the new $100 million paid quarterback who tore his Achilles in four plays? Oh, isn't that a message? can't buy superiority. Only the Lord can appoint and anoint. And I'm sure Abram was like this. And I'm sure his father told him, you're supposed to take the family's business. And somehow he got one nephew who came with him, probably had a bad time at home, wanted to get the heck out of there, locked. And they gathered what they could and they left and they didn't know where they were going. They're going to the land of Canaan to go see the Canaanites. Who are the Canaanites? He didn't know. And you go to the Valley of Moriah and, they, and, they, and I, I could give you all the places they went there. And he departed. They called it Haran, which is a place over there they've determined. Not right. And he took Sarai, his wife. You, you know why he had a wife? Because those arrangements were made as they were young children. God knows how old she was. She could have been 11, 12. I don't know how old she was. Probably older. No, I know how old she was, in fact. I forgive me. She was 85. No, 65. Because he was 75 and she was 10 years younger. And forgive me. Thank you, Lord. So she was younger. She was 65. He was 75. And all their possessions they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came. That was a threshold. When he crossed that threshold, he didn't cross into all the promises of God yet. Listen to me. When he crossed that threshold, it was a way to get on the journey to the promises of God. He had to go through some stuff. And we'll, we'll go through that because each one of them is a threshold. Until finally, finally, he comes to the ultimate threshold after all kind of things going on. 
after God gives them the covenant, after, do you know something that I'm going to show you in the Word of God? In fact, I want to show it to you right now as we're going to let up in a second. Let's go to Genesis 21. This jumped out at me and smacked me right in the head yesterday. Verse 33. This is right after he makes a covenant with Abimelech. Now Abimelech was not kin. Abimelech potentially was a problem. And Abimelech said to him, let's make peace with each other. Abram said to him, that's fine, but I got a problem. What's your problem? I dug a well and your people were taking my well. Your sheep are coming and fouling my well. I dug the well. Abimelech said, I'm sorry, that's your well. We'll get into it. Abram gives him seven U's. You know what a U is? Anybody of you see uh, my cousin Vinny? You, the judge said, you. You, you, you? A U is a, a, a young sheep, less than a year old. Has no teeth, shinier coat. I can get into a lot of it. You give him seven of them. Abram made a covenant. He primed the pump for what was coming. But you know what he said? He said, you take these seven ewes from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Next. Therefore, listen to me. He called that place Beersheba. You know what it means? Digging wells, digging ditches, going deep. He called that place the place where we went deep. And all of a sudden it jumped out at me that Abram was dealing with a timeless mindset. You have to be to be 75 years old and leave your family, your house, and your nation to go restart to nowhere. You gotta have a timeless mindset. And now he's starting to show it. He calls it the place I dug a well. What do you dig a well for? So that water will come up. What does water do? It gives you life. He was digging a well. And when he did, he, 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 he said this, thus they made a covenant in Beersheba. And so, bang, bang, go on. Next verse. Then Abram planted a tamarisk tree. It's a tree that's supposed to be durable and grow. In Beersheba, the place of the well. And there, look what he did. He declared the name of the Lord. And if you go back, starting in Genesis 12. Every encounter he had crossing the threshold, he declared the name of the Lord. He reasserted that God was the whole purpose, nothing else. And then, look at this, ah, timeless. He called on the name of the Lord, who? Come on, help me, come on, wake up, slap your head, hey, who? The everlasting God, the timeless God. The God who's beyond time. 
And he began to refer to him as you read from Genesis 12 to that. He began to enter into that mindset, that revelation that God is timeless because he was getting older. He needed to understand that the promise of God needed to generate and that he couldn't put an expiration date on it. And he couldn't put a starting date on it. What did Jesus say when his mother said, turn the water into wine? It's not yet my time. But then he did. Why? Because the door open was activated. And it's the same thing that Abram did. And we'll start here next week if the Lord allows. He got to the point where the very next thing God did was call him out to sacrifice his son. The promise. The one he promised would come to a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man that she laughed at. The promise that he tried to subvert by his wife telling him, lay down with Hagar, this young woman, she'll give us a boy and you'll somehow fulfill the promise of the seed of the family. How many people get ahead of the time of the promise of God? How many people begin to put themselves in positions and places as if what God told them a long time ago is their right to say is now. We'll get into it, but let it suffice to this. Jesus said in John 8, and he got the Jews all mad at him. Abram, he longed to see my time, and he saw it. Chazah, Hebrew word, seeing in the spirit through time. Chazah, he saw it. He was priming the pump with the timeless mindset. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're priming the pump with the timeless mindset. We're getting ready for the things of God to manifest here on earth because it's going to blow people's minds. Those who know him will do great exploits, but we have to be able to handle it and realize that it's not because of something special I am or you are. It's the assignment of our calling, and it's the time that we're entering into. And we have to let go of a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. This is not a house of old stuff. This is not a ministry of old stuff. I don't want old stuff. Old stuff begins to smell like smelly socks that have been left around too long or worn too many times. We gotta put on new clothes, new mantle. Breathed in the refresher of the Holy Spirit with revelation. I don't know about you, but all the old stuff doesn't excite me too much. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Lord, help me, forgive me. Maybe it's me. I expect there to be miracles and healing. I expect you to pray for people and they get healed. I expect, I don't even want to know names anymore about people who are praying for people to get healed. Just give the glory to God. I expect you to bring people into the kingdom of God. I don't care if it's one, ten, or a thousand. Do it. Give the glory to God. I expect you to have words of knowledge because you're moving in the spirit of knowledge. So it doesn't make you or me special. It makes us doing what we're equipped to do. 
I mean, who wants a new sports car that you can't drive? I had one of those. 50 Cent, you know who 50 Cent is? He wrecked my Maserati. I bought a Maserati to make money on. He wrecked it the first day, left it in South Beach. Never drove it. What good was that car? Cost me money, gave me a headache, and we're supposed to use the gifts we have. And don't let the gifts define who we are. Don't let titles define who we are or we are not. And don't listen to words that come out from those who are still trying to find their timeless way. It's okay. It could be a good word. It can work. But is that going to define who you are and what we are? Or are we going to be hunger and passionate and thirsting for the new stuff of God? Are we going to be those who take people with us as we're traveling? Or are we going to be those who have someone holding on to our skirt and our belt and pulling us back across the threshold? Who are we? Who are you? I deal with this every day, every night. Every day, every night. And I pray you do too. We're peculiar people, but I got good news for you. There's peculiar people that are coming out all over the earth. And every kind brings forth its own kind. That's a law. And kind are beginning to find each other. And people are beginning to find themselves and say, you know what? This is what God called me to do. I'm going to do this. That's crossing the threshold. And we do it together. None of us can take these assignments on our own. Nobody's the father of this assignment. Nobody's the apostle of the assignment. Jesus is. And he's coming again. And we're preparing the way for the chief apostle to come back. And he's equipping us. He's equipping us as pastors, as teachers, as evangelists. Some as prophets, not as many as think they are. Some as apostles, not as many as think they are. And so he's equipping us as one body, one organism. And you know, as God trusts us more, he requires more of us. That's why that scripture says, unto whom much is given, much is required. And what's the ultimate? Take it all, Lord. Here I am. And when you say that, we all have to be prepared to walk away from some stuff. We all have to be prepared to come out from some stuff. We all have to be prepared to be satisfied with, with being in that spirit, under that cloud of the shadow of glory, where God is moving. Sometimes it may not be as exciting, and sometimes it might be more exciting. I poured out from my heart. I mean no offense towards anybody, but correction and teaching can be offensive only if somebody receives it that way. Some of the people that I am most indebted to in my life are the ones who corrected me. Didn't always seem right when I got it, but boy, it sure is appreciated now. Both men and women. I've had some tremendous people in my life that loved God so much and cared about me enough to tell me where I was needed to have some alignment back inside the guardrails. And you know, as you'll see with 
Abram who became Abraham right when he needed it all the time, the Lord would supernaturally invest into his life. Right when he needed it. He didn't say he needed it, but we knew he needed it. And he didn't know what to say. God was talking to him. He said, the angel of the Lord. He didn't know it was God. Because they feared that if you had a direct encounter with the Lord, you'd be dead. He didn't understand Jesus in the blood. But he understood Isaac and the Father. Lord, I pray, Father, that, that this shaking for all of us shake out the good to be sifted from the bad that we receive it and take it and not stop not throw in a white towel but instead say okay i got it let's move on let's keep going let's trust god let's believe god let's see what the lord shall do help us father not to hold our comfort zones up Help us, Lord, not to give in to the flesh to be affirmed by people, but to be affirmed by you. And not only to be affirmed by you, Father, but for us to, to know the truth. When we hear the truth to set us free and to know what's not true, no matter who it comes from. And that we lay what we think we have on the altar, Father, and give it all to you. And just be grateful to serve. Lord, we understand and we know and we accept that laboring in the kingdom of God is just that, it's labor. Here on earth, it's labor. But we also know who the fuel is and the resource for, for that labor, it's you, Lord. And we also know, Lord, that you didn't make a random mistake. We also know, Lord, that you can laugh at ourselves as we stumble and bumble. I enjoyed a little interlogue with the son last night. He said, God must be laughing a lot at us, at me. And I said, no, I wrote a whole book of the best jokes in heaven. They're sitting on bestsellers edition about me. Isn't it good to have a father who can laugh as us as we stumble and bumble and find our ways and still hold us by the hand and get us there. Father, we just love you for it. Help us, oh Lord, to, to continue on this walk over the threshold and for it to become so real for us that we understand it and that we can put a rationale to it, but also not so much, Lord, that we corral you and hold you back. Thank you, Father, for the ignition and some of the leadership in this house that is daring to take steps and do things. God bless them, Father. Help them. Bless them. Bless them, Lord, because that's you. That's not ego. That's you, Lord. Facilitate help, give resources, give encouragement, give correction, give blessing, give blessing. Let thy kingdom come, O Father, let it be multiplied here on earth as it is in heaven. 
and allow us to be trustful stewards of what you put in our hands. You fed us so much and you're going to feed us so much more. Thank you, Father. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.